I'm going to give you a moment to find the book of Obadiah. Obadiah is a recluse among the minor prophets. One single chapter. Right after Amos and right before the book of Jonah. I could have a little more monitor up here, please. On June 26th of this year, just a few days ago, the Supreme Court of the United States ruled five to four that marriage among persons of the same sex would be the law of the land in the United States of America. In doing so, they legalized the final violation of a, of a nation against God. These are certainly dark days for America, though it might seem as though our economy and our politics have much to rejoice in. The fact is that the church knows better. There are dark days still to come. And this morning I do not arise to speak with a gladness of heart in what I must say, but in a heaviness of heart at what must be said, and with thankfulness to God, because I have borne witness of this fact that He has prepared this church for this season. We have just come through a season of discussion about the family. We've talked about restoring the family. And this, I don't believe, was any accident because God revealed this to us as a church just as it would become the critical issue for our nation. The answer or the question now is what is the church to do? And if you weren't here on Wednesday night, I'm not one to self-publicize, but uh, there was a word given that needs to be heard by the church about what is happening in America. And that is on your uh, church podcast. So if you didn't uh, get to hear it Wednesday night, please download that. The church needs to know and understand the times that it's living in. And as I was reading the word of the Lord and preparing my heart for this message this morning, I believe God gave me this word not by accident or serendipity, but out of a prophetic impulse that this is God's word to our nation. Obadiah chapter 1 verse 2. Behold, I will make you small among the nations. You are greatly despised. The arrogance of your heart has deceived you. And you will live in the clefts of the rock, in the loftiness of your dwelling place, who say in your heart, who will bring me down to the earth. For though you soar like the eagle, and though you set your nest among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. Father, with a grateful heart, I thank you for your word. 
For it is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. We tremble at your word. For we know that your word is truth. Your judgments, they are righteous. So that you are blameless when you speak and righteous when you judge. I thank you for bringing this church to a place of spiritual awakening. And I thank you, God, that in this season of darkness, there remains the bright light of hope in our hearts. I pray for the anointing of the Spirit to preach the word this morning. And I pray for the anointing of the Spirit to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Once again, just a little bit more monitor, please. The word of God through Obadiah comes to the nation of Edom. Edom are the descendants of Esau, and they are no more today. Edom, like America, had experienced a great period of prosperity. It had known the goodness of the land. And yet, as it seems to happen in every nation before too long, It began to take pride in its accomplishments, began to boast in itself as though what it had, it had received of its own merit and its own goodness. This is the fatal flaw of humanity. In fact, it was the fatal flaw of Lucifer himself who in pride said, I will ascend and sit in the place of God. It was the same flaw that brought Adam and Eve and the human race under the fall when they in their pride said, we will be like God. We will have it our way. I must speak with truth as your pastor this morning that America has done no less than this. America as a nation has said to God, we will do it our way. Church, as I have told you in the past, there is no one who says to God, I will do it my way, who will not hear someday from God, thy will be done. God will give man what he wants. The Bible says that Pharaoh hardened his heart. And again, he hardened his heart. And again, he hardened his heart. And when we read the latter chapters of the book of Exodus, we read, and God hardened Pharaoh's heart. God gave Pharaoh what he wanted. He's giving America what it wants. America has enjoyed the prosperity of God and the blessing of God. And it has enjoyed, I believe, a hedge of protection around it that has been the reason for America's blessing. When I was in missions, I never ceased to come home and say, it's so good to be home. I would return to America and say, I am so glad to be home. It wasn't because we had a a Whataburger or a Kentucky Fried Chicken. It wasn't because we had access to extraordinary universities and and we had the comforts of everyday life. But I could say that being in other nations, I know that there is a spiritual difference in this nation. 
We have taken for granted the fact that this nation has the blessing of God. I believe that we are beginning to enter into days in which that hedge is going to be lifted and wickedness will rule. Because America has decided. America was founded on the principle of godly living and principles of the word of God. John Adams, who was believed to have been the great thinker, who was a founding father, he said, we have no government army with power enough or capable enough to contend with human passion unbridled by morality and religion. He said, our constitution was made only for a moral and a religious people. It is wholly inadequate for any other. He understood that the laws of our nation could only govern a people who were willing to be governed by the laws of God. When America will not be governed by the law of God, there is no law known to man that can restrain the immorality of man. If the, if the law of God delivered on Sinai could not deliver Israel from its wickedness, America will not be delivered from its wickedness, from its laws. We must return to the supreme lawgiver and accept that his way is right and that his way is best. Thomas Jefferson said, And can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed their only firm basis? A conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are the gift of God. That they are not to be violated, but with his wrath. Indeed, I tremble, said Jefferson, for my country, when I reflect that God is just and that his justice cannot sleep forever. I heard in my spirit, as the Supreme Court ruling was announced this a uh, couple of weeks, a week or so ago, will God strive with man forever? How long will he strive with this nation? How long will he wait? Patrick Henry, another founder, said it cannot be emphasized too clearly and too often that this nation was founded not with religionists, but by Christians, not on religion, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said righteousness alone can exalt a nation. He said, whoever thou art, remember this, that thy sphere of practice, practice virtue and encourage it in others. Can you imagine these words coming from the lips of our politicians today? Today they speak of tolerance, but they are intolerant of the church. Today they speak of justice, but they have denied the God who authored justice in righteousness. The Bible tells us the clear result of such a nation's practice. That God says, I will make you small among the nations. The God that made America great will make America small if America does not repent and turn to God. The God who said to Obadiah speaks to America today. And this is God's indictment on our land. Your arrogance has deceived your heart. America's arrogance has deceived her heart. The Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar, that great king of Babylon, He had seen the power of God on his behalf. He had seen the grace of God on behalf of a pagan nation, albeit. And yet, one day he went out on the roof of his palace and he looked over Babylon 
And he said, oh, Babylon the great, I have made thee. And he boasted in himself that he was the reason that Babylon was great. The Bible said that God struck him with a, an ignorant spirit. He became, pardon the expression, an idiot. The Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar, this great king, lost his mind. He lost his ability to reason. And he went into the wilderness for seven years. And he lived as, a, as an animal. The Bible said that the hair on his skin grew out like a beast. And his nails grew like claws. As that king who exalted himself above God was reminded that there is no God but God and that there is no king but Jesus and that every knee must give an account to him. If God did not judge Nebuchadnezzar, he would not judge America. But because he judged Nebuchadnezzar, he will judge America. If you say Nebuchadnezzar is too far away, Pastor, bring me something recent. Can I talk to you about Germany? Germany as well experienced the prosperity and blessing of God. Germany saw the great reformers such as Luther rise up out of its ranks. It was the the German nation that saw the light of the gospel bring an end to the dark ages when Luther nailed his thesis to the door of the church. Martin Luther was a German who was part of the heritage of Christianity in that nation. The Bible was uh, being restricted by the Catholic Church and Luther took his stand. And, And not only did Germany bless itself, but it blessed the world. You and I today have a gospel that has been preached to us because of the German people. But history tells us a story of the philosophers of the 1800s. They began to teach a philosophy that exalted itself above God. The philosopher Nietzsche, a German, he said, God is dead and we have killed him. And this philosophy began to reign in the universities of Germany. Until by the 1900s, what was taught in the classroom began to be practiced in the streets of Germany. Not long after this, this philosophy had taken hold. A man rose to power named Adolf Hitler. What do you think he did first? He began to preach a message of positive Christianity. Hitler had a policy toward the church. Go ahead and be the church. Have your prayer meetings. Do what you got to do. Just keep it positive. Don't disrupt or disrespect the, the policies of the government. Doesn't that sound familiar today? We have preachers rising to the pulpit, preaching a positive, toothless Christianity. A Christianity that couldn't, that couldn't have a grasp on anything in our day. This was the same pattern of Germany. Then they marginalized the church. Hitler began to marginalize the church, putting it further and further aside. Listen, church, we're being marginalized today. The more that you and I stand up and speak out, we're going to be considered lunatics, kooks, old-fashioned, out-of-date. And guess what? If that is the badge we have to wear, then let's wear it. We are the relevant church of Jesus Christ. We preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our God is God, and we must stand for Him. He marginalized the church. This this would not be the end. He took the Bible out of the schools of Germany. Does that sound familiar? America has followed the same path. Friends, 
the German people would have said, never, never would we descend to such a degree that we are extinguishing entire races of men in holocausts and in, in the ovens. But this is precisely what Germany came to because it lifted up itself above God. America, your days are numbered unless you repent, unless you turn to God and seek His pardon. Your days of being a great nation are coming to an end. Today is a day of decision. Now is a time for choosing. Whom will you serve? Will you serve the Lord? Will you stand for righteousness? Will you put on the whole armor of God? And will you say, thus saith the Lord? The Bible is still the word of God. It happened in Nebuchadnezzar. It happened in Germany. God says to America today, Though you soar like the eagle, make your nest upon the stars. From there, I will bring you down. It is no accident, I believe, that America is the nation whose image is an eagle. The first nation to plant its flag among the stars. God says to her, I will bring you down. God is intolerant of pride. This is the sin of our land. The Bible said that God turned them over to every kind of immorality. Men abandoning the natural function of the woman. Burning in their hearts and in their lusts toward one another. Because they knew God but refused to acknowledge Him as God. What will the righteous do? If the foundations be destroyed, what will the righteous do? What's happening, pastor? What's going on in America? What should we do now? We should do now what we should have been doing all along. Standing for righteousness. Taking our stand between the living and the dead. Asking God's mercy. The Apostle Peter said, the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us, What will the end be of those who obey not the gospel of God? He said, if the righteous are saved by the skin of their teeth, what will be of those who reject God outright? What do we do, Pastor? Number one, take your stand. Joshua said to the nation of Israel, you decide. Whether you will serve the gods of the Canaanites. Or the gods that your father served on the other side of the Jordan. And if it seemed right to you. Serve the Lord. But as for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. Days are coming for this nation in which it will be difficult. Increasingly difficult to serve the Lord. It will come at a cost, a demand on our soul. It might come at a demand on your finances. It may come on a demand of your very life. But you must choose who you will serve. He said, me and my house. I can't speak for the neighbor. 
I can't speak for my distant relative, but me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm on the Lord's side, church. We better get on the Lord's side. It's a time for choosing. It's a time for saying, I'm not going to stand in the middle and say, well, it's an issue. It's a, it's a political problem. It's a social issue. No. Either you're with God or you're not. Either you stand for him or against him. And you live with the consequence of your decision. What do we do, Pastor? Number two, take your place. Take your stand and then take your place. What is your place? What is God calling you to do? He's certainly not calling us to stand in the shadows. He's calling us to take our place. He's calling us to take our stand and to take our place in the place of prayer. To take our place in the place of fasting. To take our place in the place of consecration. It's time for us to take hold of the horns of the altar and pray that God would have mercy on our land. That God would have mercy on our nation. Friends, I believe that he will if we pray and seek his face and turn to him. But we must do so with our whole heart. We must do so because it is the the will of God that he be served with a whole heart. You might say today, preacher, I'll be honest. I'm a lukewarm Christian. It's time to get hot. It's time to get right with God. It's time to decide who you're going to serve. If you're going to serve God, serve him now. If you're going to live for God, live for him now. If you're going to honor God, honor him now. If you're going to sing, sing today. If you're going to pray, pray today. If you're going to preach, preach today. If you're going to win the loss, win the loss today. Today, today is all we have. Today is our day to stand up as a church and be the church. To be the church of Jesus Christ. To be the salt and the light to this world. Come on, I'm talking to a church today that is asleep. The nation's church is sleeping. It's time for the church to be the church. For the church to take its place. For you to say, I'm going to be a man of prayer. I'm going to be a woman of prayer. I'm going to be a young person of prayer. I'm going to be a teenager of prayer. I'm going to be a man of the word, a woman of the word, a teenager full of the word. That's America's hope. You see, there's hope in my heart this morning. Because in the darkest days of Babylon, there were three young men who refused to bow the knee to Baal. They refused to bow the knee to Nebuchadnezzar's God. And in the darkest days of Israel, there was a prophet on Mount Carmel who called fire down from heaven. In the midst of God's wrath, he asked for God to demonstrate his power. Church, this is our prayer. This is our plea that God would send revival fire to this nation. That God would send revival fire to the pulpits of America. And that this nation would see that we don't serve a dead God made out of stone or wood. But that our God is alive. That our God is able. That our God still heals. That our God still raises the dead. That our God still engages the very powers of darkness and brings them to nothing. 
You must take your place. Take your stand. And take the ground. Take what God has promised to you. Like Caleb of old. He said, give me my mountain. Give me what belongs to me. What has happened in America? All that has happened is that wickedness has been uncovered. And the church has been called out. The Philistine is standing on the brook saying, come out. Come out and fight. Come out, you who call yourselves by the name of Israel. Come out, you, and challenge me. The church has been called out. Are you the church? Take your stand. Take your place. And take your ground. America, your only hope is the blood-bought church of Jesus Christ. Church, it's time to be the church. It's time to declare our dependence on God. And say, Lord, we need you. Our family needs you. Our nation needs you. God says, America, I'll bring you down. But he says to his church, if my people who were called by my name would humble themselves and pray, I will hear from heaven. Not I might, not maybe, but he said, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. God wants to heal our land. He wants to heal your land. He wants to heal your family. He wants to heal your heart. And I want to speak finally to somebody this morning that would say, Pastor, if I'm really honest, I have been thinking of myself and what I have and saying, it's, it's mine, I've done this. If you've forgotten from where your blessings came, today is a day to remember and reject the thoughts of this culture and to reject the mindset of this culture and to say, from what I, ha- what I have came from the hand of an almighty and a good God. And if we will repent in our own hearts, because some of us have regarded iniquity. Some of us have winked and nodded at sin. Dare I say some of us have put men in office who have brought America to this point. I'm not talking about Democrats or Republicans. And we've ever regarded iniquity in our heart. Said God won't care. God won't notice. God won't mind. God does care. God does notice. He does mind. He's calling his church to righteousness. 
He's calling his church to holiness. He's calling his church to fear of the Lord and to faith. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The, Lord, the judgments of the Lord are true, and they are righteous altogether. Do you want to be clean? Fear God. Because the Bible says that he looks far away at the, at the wicked. He turns his face from the wicked. But the humble, he says, I will dwell among them. God is attracted to humility. He's attracted to a heart that says, God, I need you. God, I want you. He's attracted to a heart that says, God, I need your forgiveness. I need your cleansing. I need your grace. And this morning, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Did you fail this week? Get up. Did you slip and fall? Get up. Did you err on the way? Get up. Did you stumble badly? Arise and go to Jesus. Go to Christ. Let him cleanse you this morning with his blood. Let him restore your soul. Let him heal you and deliver you from that affliction. But if you won't come to him, if you won't humble before him, if you won't say, I need you, you shut the door to the only answer for man's soul. So today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart.